0: Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic ministers today, and this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today on the podcast, we continue our missions theme from the Missions Conference, which happened this past week here at IBC. We were so thankful to have Brother Poitras, Brother Shalm, and Brother Hobson all here And today we're bringing Brother Hobson's message from Thursday Chapel, entitled, The Power of a Dead Man. Now, Brother Hobson is no stranger to the United Pentecostal Church. He is the Secretary of North American Missions. He is a tremendous speaker and leader, and this message is one that will impact your life. Let's get right to it. Brother Bill Hobson preaching The Power of a Dead Man.
1: Is called rights, and I deserve this, and I can have that, and I want this, and I, I want to accomplish this, and we set out on our dreams and our agenda and our plan. And there are certain things that I deserve, if you will. I'll never forget. Of course, I, I, I come from the stock where you just appreciate what you're given and uh, say thank you, and not expect anything more. But that's not necessarily the world we live in today. Pardon me for a personal experience, but when we pastored in Orlando, there was a particular uh, young man that was, he was an evangelist at the time, and he was, uh, uh, you know, he had flown in uh, to preach uh, in the area, and uh, it was rather frustrating to me that he, uh, uh, how do I say this? Uh, it got to the point where we were almost to Sunday service. He was preaching; he preached the camp and so forth in the area. And uh, well, let me just say it like this: he got a better offer. And so he called me the day before and said, "You know, I'm sorry. I, I need to go preach over here." And, He canceled me at the last minute because he had a better offer in the area, he thought. Well, that didn't really take so good to me. Now, I know none of you will ever do that. Well, if you ever do, I will be on your doorstep, okay? (laughs) By the way, evangelist ministry is under North American missions, so we might have a few anyway. We'll go on from there. But I remember as this young man, after a period of time, called me and said, you know, Brother Hobson, I just just want to apologize because I know I was wrong. Well, that took a whole lot of guts. Well, then I found out why he was apologizing, because he wanted to come. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? But then I finally just, you know, mercy, grace started showing up in my life. And, you know, I thought, you know, I, I told him, I said, if you're man enough to say I'm sorry and you're man enough to call me and actually ask me, can't believe you're doing it. But if you are, I'm willing enough to say, okay, you can come. Well, I like And I'm just going to fast forward to the story because, you know, the bottom line was at the time we really couldn't afford it. We really were just a, a young church striving and trying to do our best. And I, I was just hoping I got paid that week. And, and so, you know, but but I, I said to him, I said, you know, I said, here's the thing. I said, you're, you're coming. What are you, He said, well, I'm coming to do something else. So somebody else is going to pay my travel. He said, in fact, they're going to take care of my vehicle, all that stuff. He said, I, I'll, I'll come in. I'll just be with you Sunday morning. And he said, if you give me a place to sleep, I said, well, is it just you? Yeah, it's just me. All the details associated with that was that it was him single. He was going to sleep in our guest bedroom and everything was going to be great. No other responsibilities other than that. I'm like, you know what? I think we can do this. We can pay you and feed you at the house. But it was amazing that what had transpired the next, really over time, because within two weeks of his travel and a week of his travel, he then calls me and says, Well, my family's coming. Oh, by the way, I need somebody to pick me up at the airport. Well, your family's coming. Okay, well, then I need to put you in a hotel. You know, that, that'd be wonderful. Thank you. And, and then, it's, then it's, Oh, I need a ride from the airport. Well, by the way, his flight was late. He didn't tell me. I drove 40 minutes to the airport one way. And of course, he hadn't even gotten on the flight, he'd overslept. So anyway, it, it just started bad. Pick him up, and I get him from the airport to the uh, uh, hotel, and then we're gonna go eat. And uh, we get to the restaurant, and of course we have his whole family. I'm trying to, I'm still trying to figure out how I'm gonna pay for everything. And uh, then we get to the table, and he he sits down, and he said, "I'm gonna have this appetizer, that appetizer, and that. What are you ordering?" At that point, my wife was ready to kill me <laughs> because. She kept saying, why did you say yes the second time? I'm just trying to be gracious. Well, there was a long story. The guy ended up, we told him, church tomorrow starts, we'll pick you up at such and such. The guy was late. He said, no, I'd rather be picked up at such and such time. I don't want to go to Sunday school. (sighs) Do you think he was a little entitled he was actually, in fact, whenever I told him, my wife's gonna have to pick you up because we don't have anybody else at that time. It was a certain time of season. We didn't have anybody to go get him. And, and, and so we, and she did go get him. The problem was she waited outside the hotel room for, for 45 minutes, waiting for him and his family to get ready. And then, of course, missed her Sunday school class that she was supposed to teach. I mean, it's just, it's just chaos, and I'm thinking, what in the world have you lost your mind? At this juncture in life, when he got to the platform, I would have said, you know what, thank you for being here, but I'm preaching today. But then I was still gracious. But the difference of that, and, 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 and Lord knows, I don't believe any of you will ever do anything that crazy. Because i got too much confidence in you. But yet, the difference was, we had Kenneth Haney one time, when he, right after he was general superintendent, Brother Haney uh, came and, and of course I picked him up at the airport, took him to the hotel and he looked at me and said, oh, Brother Hobson, I don't need to stay here. This is a, this is a, full, this is a nice Marriott. Brother Hobson, you need to take me to Hampton. I'm like, oh, Brother Haney, I want you to stay here. No, Brother Hobson, we need to go to the Hampton. Oh, Brother Haney, you need, no, 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 no. And so it was clearly a big difference, wouldn't you think? He was, on, he was actually waiting for me when I drove up, thinking, man, I wish he wasn't waiting on me. I was early, but he was too. And then we get in the car, and I said, Brother Haney, I, 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 you know, it was to get back okay. Yeah, yeah, but I wish you just bought gallon jugs of water because it was individual jugs. That's too expensive. You, you just need to buy ju- gallon jugs. Brother Haney, I'm okay. We can afford individual bottles of water. Brother Andy said, where are you going to eat? I said, I'm not telling you. He said, you're not telling me. Kind of took back a little bit. I said, no, sir, I'm not telling you. Brother Hobson, why are you not telling me? Because you'll tell me we can't go there. Why will I tell you? Because you'll tell me it's too expensive. He said, well, I I won't. In fact, we went back and forth, back and forth, and finally, when I did tell him, he said, Brother Hobson, it's too expensive. I said, you, ah, ah, ah. I'll never forget sitting there at a meal with this man who was esteemed, who, who really deserved a whole lot better than what I was able to provide. But I watched him as he said, Hey, can I try some of your dessert? That looks really good. <laughs> you got it. You can have, in fact, you can have anything you want. What am I saying? There's a big difference between what, what is it? You have one who's entitled. You have one that just simply says it's not about me. It's about something bigger than what I am. It is, it is not about what I am and what I'm capable of doing. Can I tell you that it's reality, that there must be something inside of us that is completely dead, that said it's not about what I have. It's not about all the things that I possess. It's not what kind of accolades I get, but what is most important is that there's somebody that I need to give glory to. Uh, There's somebody that's the source of everything inside of me. But let's be honest. We expect God to even fix things when we're wronged. And we deal with things and we say, God, you, th- this person wronged me, and so I- I'm going to have to get back at them. And God says, but you're waiting on me to try to fix things, uh, when in reality I've got some newsflash. Uh, not everything that has happened to you and not all the junk that's taken place in your life uh, is God going to fix in this life. And while you're mad at God because God didn't give you this or that or the other, and God's saying, wait a minute, you got to get that off your shoulder because you got to understand there's something about me. I don't live in the now only. I live yesterday. I live today. But I also live in eternity. You say, what do you mean God's going to fix it all? No, no. Uriah? How in the world does God fix that for you? The most loyal guy in the Bible. He's killed by a king that he is so loyal. The man steals his wife. God can't fix that now. But God says, but wait a minute. You don't understand, I've got eternity to fix this thing. You see, while we're waiting on God to fix certain things, how in the world does God make it up to Abel in this life? He offered the Abel sacrifice. Cain is the one that kills him and still lives. Yes, he pays an eternal and a horrible price, but Abel lost his life. And yet we look at things. I'm telling you, there has never been a greater generation with more passion and more ability. But there's also never been a generation that has more hurt and baggage and junk that we're carrying around. But what do we? And what must we do? There's something we've got to do. It's back at that altar of repentance. It's when we lay on the altar and say, God, I can't fix this. I can't even work it out. I don't even know the answers. But one thing, God, I do know is that if I'll die, something will happen because as I let you have control, you let me live. No, a dead man has no right and no personal agenda. But a dead man must also give up everything. Everything? Elijah, you got some nerve. She's a widow at the well. Just a widow. Hey, you give me something to drink? Well, well. hey, before you give me something to drink, hey, uh, Why don't you just fix me some food, too? And it just comes out of her. Sir, I'm actually gathering sticks right now, and I'm going to prepare a meal. It is our last bit of things that we have, and my son and I are going to eat our last meal, and we're going to die. Well, that's awkward. What do I do now? How many of us would have the guts? Last meal? Huh. Well, this is going to be a little awkward. But would you go ahead and fix it and give it to me? My last meal? Yeah, because if you'll give all... What you have will only sustain you for a day. But if you'll just give it to him, it will sustain you for as long as it needs to sustain you. You see, there is a power in a dead man when they simply give Whenever you simply say, God, it's not about me and my agenda and my will and my purpose, but rather it is about your purpose and your agenda and everything that you have. God, oh, some of you are looking at me saying, I don't have much. That's okay. She didn't either. But what she had, she said, here I give. And when I do, God steps in and said what you have. Because little is much when I get involved in it. Mission? What is our mission? Purpose? What is our purpose? He said, I'm going to sum it all. It's to seek and to save that which is lost. It's about ministry. It's about who we are. It's about our objective. And it's in his purpose and in his will that I must fulfill the mission. But the mission is not always easy. Sometimes it requires complete and total sacrifice. Saturday of this week, I have the great distinct honor and privilege to go to New York City and honor a mighty hero of our faith. Pastor, Bishop, great man of God, D.D. Davis. Long Island, New York, if you go to the church that his son, Doug Davis, now pastors, great men of God, powerful church, probably, and I'm just going to be real honest, probably one of my favorite churches to preach at anywhere, because it's like Brother Stoneking said years ago, you just get up and preach peanut butter, there's so much Holy Ghost and it'll just fall. Well, I've never had that much Holy Ghost to preach peanut butter and it fall, okay? But I'm just telling you, it's a powerful church. Several hundred strong in an area that is known in the Northeast as a, a graveyard for ministries. But you see, we look at that and we say, oh, look at what great church and powerful church. In fact, there have been years that that church has taken the single largest group registered to youth congress in our entire fellowship it's a powerful church but we don't know the entire story and the reason i was absolutely convinced nothing in my schedule was going to hinder that me going to honor them is because i know the back story and the backstory several years ago, as I sat across from Doug and Vicky Davis, and they began to pour out in front of Brother Dee Dee Davis, what actually happened? Brother Doug Davis said, I was a young boy. My dad was pastoring a great church in Dallas, Texas. We had a new building. We had a brand new house. We had a brand new car. Everything was going great. The church was running about 250. He said it was a powerful church. Everything was great. But he said something happened to my dad. He heard the story of Kitty Genevieve in the paper. Kitty Genevieve was a lady, a particular lady in the New York City area that had been stabbed to death. It hit national news because you see Kitty Genevieve, it was reported that she had been stabbed multiple times, was able to get away from her attacker, running house to house, desperate for somebody to help her. And yet... Nobody willing to open the door and help. And so her attacker was able to catch up again to her and finish her off. He said, Brother Hobson, my dad was so moved by that story that he said, if nobody's going to go open the door, I am. But he told the story, he said, my mother and I, rode in the same vehicle because he said, my dad knew, Brother Doug Davis said, my dad knew that I'd be kind of the sympathetic one and the soft-hearted one. He said, we drove away from that brand new house. And he said, I watched as almost the entire trip driving from Dallas, Texas to New York, my mom, tears streaming down her face. Everything they had, everything they wanted, everything they dreamed for, it was a dream. Gave it all up. He said, when we got to New York City, we started trying to rent places. He said, it wasn't a new house we moved into. It was a house that was 100 plus years old. Old, kicking away rats. Rats. My mom's looking at this, going, what What is this? A man who had pastored a great church in Dallas went and began to drive a school bus just to survive. This is what captured my attention so desperately. I've never been able to get it out of my mind. Brother Doug Davis looked at me and he said, Brother Hobson, I know everybody sees the church we have now. Brother Hobson, it was 15 years before we even knew if we were going to survive. What's Brother Davis talking about? He's talking about the simple fact that sometimes God calls you to just give all. Just die out to the own desires and plans. God calls us. And I know there's a lot of people who are turning me off right now like, uh, no thank you. I'm checking out of this message. But I'm talking to some that are not going to check out. Uh, that understand that there's going to be some things. Uh, and I'm not submitting that every church that started takes 15 years to build. Uh, because I'm thankful for the miraculous and the move of God. And I'm not convinced uh, we have 15 years left. Uh, it may not be sacrifice in that level. But there's going to be some sacrifice there's going to be some cost paid there's going to be some things that are going to cost you everything yet when I recognize and when I read the conclusion I find out this that in Christ's kingdom a dead man trumps it all because in Christ's kingdom even sacrifice and message does not end there because the man holding the coat of the men who were stoning him was forever changed and transformed and was shook by the memory of the constant reminder that he was there. He heard the message and yet watched a man be stoned. But in his life, Paul, you gave so much more. You gave all you could. Why? Because it was a memory of a dead man uh, that had changed everything. Uh, It was a memory of someone uh, who understood uh, there is something worth living uh, for, uh, but there is definitely something worth dying for. Abel's blood still speaks from the ground, but it tells me there's something there. I'm here today to tell a generation that if you want to soar, you've got to die first. But if you'll make your way to a daily altar and say, God, here I am. And Jesus cried, it is Finished. The devil thought he was going to say, "I am finished." What did he say? I think he said, "I'm finished." No, no, he said, "It." Uh Uh-oh. What's it? Got news flash for you, devil. You're the it. It is over because what the enemy meant for evil. God understood that through the power of a dead man eternal life would come. Through the power of sacrifice something glorious would take place and he walked in and he conquered death hell and the grave and everything changed forever and you and I are given an opportunity to have life and have it more abundantly and not only do we have that but we have the opportunity to have power because after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I'm going to give you power as you stand here in this place today. There is nothing more feared in a battlefield than a man. For a soldier who has already resigned himself to his fate. You can't defend against somebody who has already said, already dead. It was William Barrett Travis that said, I'm going to remain within these walls and fight, and this I will do if I'm the last man standing. But if it be so, then let my scarab be empty and let my sword be red of the blood of the men who would deny my freedom. And it was simply there at the Alamo that we saw just a hundred and something men die, and yet, literally, uh, Santa Anna lost a third of his entire army as a result. Why? It was almost, what, three, four, four to one or more that died that day. Why? Because there was something inside of them that they understood and even Travis himself said this, I wish that I could have left my daughter a splendid fortune. Now all she will have left is a proud recollection of a father who died for freedom's sake. But you see, you can't defend against someone who has already resigned themselves to where they are. You see, the enemy has no defense when you die. There's nothing he can do to stop you. There's nothing he can throw at you. There's nothing he can take away from you. You just have to simply say, you don't understand. There's nothing I have to lose. Because he who loses his life for my sake, you're going to find it. But if you try to hold on to this thing, you're called your life. You're going to lose it. he said in Hebrews, Throw, through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. And even the Colossians, he said he spoiled the principalities. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over all so in this missions conference today, in the conclusion moments of where we are today, I would challenge you, I would challenge you that in the midst of it all, we've got to remind ourselves there is a power of a dead man. That if I really want to change the world, I've got to die. You say die physically? I'm not saying dying physically. Physically. You know, the crazy thing is that people give their own lives and take their own lives physically when in fact God said, if you'll just give me your life and everything that you have with no ulterior motives, you won't believe what I have in store for you. I'm speaking to some young men and young ladies in this building today. You have no idea the Power that will be unleashed in your life and your ministry Come on, that's right. <laughs> when you find the altar every day and say, "God." Yeah. It's not about my dreams. It's not about my plans. It's not about what I want to figure out. I don't even really care what happens tomorrow. All I know is that you've given me grace today. And Lord God, I'm just yielding myself. I'm opening the altar today to somebody that'd like to come down. I'm opening the altar today to somebody like to lay on the ground and say, God, here I am because I know there is a power. And a dead man. Oh, somebody ought to be crying out to God. Somebody ought to be submitting themselves. Somebody ought to be saying, God, God, it's not my dreams. It's not my talent. It's not what I have. But God, when I simply lay myself at the altar and I submit everything I've got to you, there is a power that is unloosed. It's not mine, but it is you. It is Christ in me. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Let a spirit of intercession move across this building today. I pray, God, let there be a passion dying out of our own will and our own flesh and our own desires. God, I'm not going to plan my life. God, I'm not putting you in a box today. Oh, God, there's some things you want to do. Maybe I'll end up on the mission field. Maybe I'll end up in somewhere, in some distant field somewhere. But, God, it really doesn't matter because all I want is to die out my dreams and plans and give them to you oh come on that's it come on press a little more go ahead tell him I'm coming to the altar and laying it on come on that's it that's it The enemy can't defend against someone that's dead. An enemy can't defend against someone that simply gives it all to him. But when you give it to him, you're going to gain it. We're not moving any further. We're going to die out to him.